0: Hello and welcome to In The Loop, a podcast working in cooperation with Suffolk Votes and Suffolk University's Center for Community Engagement. The views and opinions expressed on In The Loop do not reflect the opinions of Suffolk University, the Center for Community Engagement, or Suffolk Votes. I'm Cam Sweeney. And I'm Andrew Gomes. This week Congress still tries to avoid a government shutdown while Kevin McCarthy scrambles to reach 218 votes. President Biden signs into legislation uh, a law to avoid a rail strike. The Georgia runoff is set to take place tomorrow. Tuesday, December 6th, and Trump calls for the termination of the Constitution.
1: So we'd also like to note that this will be the last episode of In the Loop until after winter break, and when we do come back, that'll take us right into the brand new session of Congress, the 118th Congress. The Boston City Council approved a measure that would lower the voting age from municipal elections to 16 years old, which would make Boston one of the largest cities to do so. The proposal needs to be signed by Mayor Wu before it goes to the Massachusetts legislature to be officially passed, though some counselors still express doubt that the Massachusetts legislature would pass the home rule petition. A similar proposition is also now being discussed in Cambridge after the win in Boston.
0: And and Now moving to the federal level, a lot's going on in Congress, but the number one story is of course government funding there is still no real movement, no real progress towards a new spending bill or a year-long continuing resolution um, with government funding set to run out in 11 days. We talked about this a bit in the last episode, but a continuing resolution, or a CR, is is essentially a resolution passed by Congress to continue spending at the previous levels. This is absolutely not an ideal scenario, as the needs of departments of agencies, changes year to year, which is why Congress meets to um, reallocate funds. Still right now, because of this um, lack of ability to come together, the most likely scenario is a continuing resolution that pushes this deadline up until the 23rd of December, right before Christmas, Um, and the most likely result of that is either a year-long continuing resolution or a government shutdown if they're not able to come to a decision. Also in Congress, Kevin McCarthy still has not secured the 218 votes needed to become Speaker of the House. Right now, every single House race has been called by most outlets, and we know that the House Republicans will hold 222 seats and Democrats will hold 213. This meaning that Kevin McCarthy can only lose four Republican votes to become Speaker of the House. Um, In order to become Speaker, you need 218 votes. Falling below that, there'll be more rounds of voting. This has not happened in decades, uh, and so we'll see what happens. Moving on to the House Ways and Means Committee, they have, after years and years of a legal battle, received six years of former President Trump's tax returns after the Supreme Court refused to intervene, allowing the records to be released. Uh, it, It is important to note, though, that this isn't the first time that his returns have been made available. Uh, In 2021, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office obtained some of these tax returns um, and the Trump Organization is now on trial in New York on charges of tax fraud as well as other charges. The New York Times also did some reporting. They obtained and analyzed some of Trump's tax returns back in 2020 uh, and among those findings, they found that he paid no federal income taxes in 11 out of the 18 years that the New York Times looked at. And they also found that in um, two years, in 2016 and 2017, after he became president, his tax bill was only $750. Ultimately, though, it's unknown what's going to happen now that this committee has obtained these documents, though there is certainly pressure on Democrats to analyze these returns and to potentially release them to the public
1: before Republicans take control of the chamber in January. Moving on to the White House, President Biden signed legislation this past Friday that would impose a labor agreement between rail companies and its workers. This all in efforts to avoid a strike that could have upended the economy just before the upcoming holiday season. The New York Times reported that the shutdown could have costed the U.S. economy roughly $2 billion a day. The deal also includes a 24 percent increase in wages over five years, more schedule flexibility, and additional paid days off. Still, this initial plan was rejected by four out of twelve unions because it did not include sick leave, which has been a controversial topic between Democrats and Republicans in Congress. These four unions together represent more than half of the industry's unionized workforce. A very controversial move for the president, who campaigned on being the most pro-union president who previously argued against government intervention in labor, disputes, and arguing that it unfairly interferes with the rights of unions to bargain.
0: Also talking about Biden, the Democratic National Committee, or the DNC, is considering the first major shift since 2006 in the state lineup for presidential primaries. Right now, Democrats are looking to change what's called the early schedule, which is the lineup of states before Super Tuesday, the day where the greatest number of states hold their primary elections and caucuses. DNC is looking to make these changes to be more representative of the racial, ethnic and geographic diversity of the United States. Uh, And there were a few different states that made um, these sort of campaigns to be the first. New Hampshire was one, uh, Nevada was another, who both tried to talk about greater diversity and union representation. Ultimately, though, earlier this week, Biden came out in support of making the first state in this early schedule to be South Carolina. Uh, And after that, the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee voted to recommend supporting a 2024 Democratic presidential primary calendar that would start with South Carolina on February 3rd, followed by New Hampshire and Nevada on the same day on February 6th, Georgia on the 13th, and then finally Michigan on February 27th. This is pretty notable here because uh, if we go back to 2020, it was Biden's win in South Carolina that gave his campaign the momentum to win ahead of Super Tuesday after his poor finishes in Iowa and New Hampshire. This certainly isn't um, confirmation that Biden is running in 2024. He has not made that official announcement, but this certainly would give him the edge over a primary challenger based
1: on his previous successes in the state. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case on President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. The court is set to hear oral arguments in February, though student loan forgiveness will stay blocked as the case is heard. Now some more background info on this. Six Republican-led states, Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, and Kansas, as well as South Carolina, have filed a lawsuit arguing relief would hurt their state's tax revenues at a district court in Texas who ruled that the decision was unconstitutional. On appeal, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld that ruling ultimately putting in place an injunction on the program, essentially stopping it from continuing until ruling by a higher court. This decision was upheld by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and is now set to go before the Supreme Court. The main question is whether the Republican-led states that filed the lawsuit have standing, meaning that the ability to sue and whether or not Biden's plan to cancel student debt exceeds the authority of the Education Secretary.
0: In election news, the Georgia Senate runoff is scheduled to happen um, as of the time of this recording. Tomorrow, Tuesday, December 6, and both Republicans and Democrats have poured tremendous amounts of money into ads for uh, their respective candidates. The New York Times reported that Democrats have spent over $20 million on Raphael Warnock's campaign, and Republicans have spent close to $14 million, uh, for Herschel Walker's so far. Some of the biggest supporters of Walker have been Georgia's recently re-elected governor, Brian Kemp, and former US President Donald Trump. Uh, while Warnock, on the other hand, has garnered heavy support from party within the Democratic Party, Um, He's recently held rallies with President Biden and former President Barack Obama. Um, With the election scheduled to happen tomorrow, polls will be open until 7 p.m. Eastern in Georgia.
1: The Iranian attorney general announced the abolition of Iran's infamous morality police and the potential repeal of the mandatory hijab law after months of protests have mounted pressure. If this happens, it would be a huge win for protesters, though some say that the announcement is solely a PR stunt to quiet down protests. Regardless, this announcement is a clear sign that Iranian officials are feeling the growing pressure that protests have placed on the government.
0: Turning now to um, our last major story is uh, a recent post made by former President Trump on his own social media platform, Truth Social. I, I don't know how to preface this, so I'm just going to read what he posted. Quote, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare a rightful winner? or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections," end quote. In some, calling for the termination of the US Constitution based on the former president's completely unfounded claims of voter fraud in 2020. This drew some condemnations from the Republican Party um, namely Liz Cheney who called Trump an enemy of the Constitution still though for an announcement like this there has not been the condemnation that there should have been. Kevin McCarthy the aspiring next Republican Party Speaker has remained entirely silent and many other Republicans have followed in those footsteps. Most have dodged questions about Trump's comments entirely, while others offered weak statements of disapproval. Um, I'll include here representatives Mike Turner and Dave Joyce, both from Ohio, kind of uh, were emblematic of this, both saying that they didn't support the language, but regardless would still support Trump if he became
1: the Republican nominee for president. Now, Kim, if I can add more to this, I'm really starting to believe that this is just one of these defining moments for the GOP as a whole. Do you willingly support a former president and possible Republican nominee for 2024 who's outright saying and calling for the, you know, abolishing the Constitution? And is that really what you want your party leaning towards? When you have more favorable Republican candidates or runner-ups at that, but it's just, I really feel like this moment in history for the Republican Party for American politics on the whole it's really left up to what Republican leaders think is the most suitable, you know, sort of path for them in supporting because let's be honest, you can't support a president or former president who says outright abolish the United States Constitution and still call yourself a patriot or call yourself someone who abides by the by the Constitution. I just it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to me that you can still call yourself a patriot and still say, I support the Constitution. I support the First Amendment, the Second Amendment and so on. While you still want to support a former president who is saying on one of his social media platforms, not Twitter, because obviously he doesn't want to come back to Twitter, Abolish the Constitution because I'm not the president anymore. That is what Trump is essentially saying here.
0: I mean, I think you're right in the sense that this is a make or break point for the Republican Party. And I think it's important to point out the blatant hypocrisy from this so-called party of Lincoln. Um, the president that quite literally guided the United States through... Its greatest constitutional crisis, the crisis of Southern succession for the purpose of continuing slavery, Um, to call themselves the party of Lincoln, uh, the party of patriotism, and to be so spineless to be unable to condemn autocracy in its purest form. There is no greater threat to democracies than the erosion of our institutions and Uh, From the founding of the country, the Constitution has been central in that. There are rules that we need to follow. The Constitution sets out a lot of those rules pretty clearly. um, And the Republican Party has to address these concerns, has to say, no, this kind of dialogue doesn't have a place in our party. We are the party of small government. We are not the party of anti-government. And until they do that, I think they're going to be doomed in the upcoming elections.
1: That's fair to say. That's fair to say. I mean, a lot of people have already said that Trump is basically helping Raphael Warnock win his election in the Georgia runoff. He's endorsed Herschel Walker. But when you have the endorsement of someone who is calling for the abolition of the Constitution, you don't really have a good chance when people relay that back to you as a candidate and it's it's also very crucial that we point out that this man does have influence. He does have the power to do great things, but he chooses to take the worst path in what he says, saying that you want the outright abolition of the US Constitution because you want to be president. It doesn't it does not help in this day and age in American politics or in American culture on the whole. America as we see it is in a very divided moment in its history. Now, obviously we have millions of people who do not support Trump and are on the Republican side, though Trump still has a very large following. And these people are more than willing to hear what he has to say and a number of them are willing to follow what he says. So if he says abolish the Constitution, somebody out there will see this and say, well, maybe we should, you know, look at the Constitution. Let's see how it's not really working in favor of Trump and see what we can change about that because we do believe Trump should be the president. But all I'm going to end this with is if Republicans really do see themselves winning an election in the future, near future, it, it's not going to be with Trump. That's for sure. Thanks for listening and be sure to visit us at itlpodcast.com for more information and a complete list of where you can listen. And also be sure to follow us at Suffolk Votes on Instagram. Thank you and we'll see you after the break.